This program is sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Zion's sake, I'll not hold my peace. Welcome to For Zion's Sake. Isaiah 62.1 is taken directly out of the Hebrew Scriptures when the prophet Isaiah declared, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not keep quiet, until her righteousness goes forth like brightness, and her salvation like a torch that is burning. Your hosts for the program are Shelley and June Volk, Jewish believers burdened to see Jew and Gentile become one. Believers strengthened in their faith and for their Jewish kinsmen to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. Bless the Lord and welcome to For Zion's Sake. Thank you for joining us. We're the Volks. My name is Shelley. And my name is June. Hi, everyone. It's, it's good to be with you and it's a privilege to be with you as we continue on with a theme that we started yesterday. Yesterday's program was initiated by us reading a devotion And the devotion had all to do with a man who was looking to headquarters for instructions. So while we understand that Jesus is a lover of our soul, he has great love for us, and I trust that we have great love for him, we also need to see another aspect of our walk as a believer is as a soldier in the army of the Lord. And the devotion that we read yesterday was entitled Living at Headquarters. And that means specifically, and it has great implications for all of us, that we need to be in tune with headquarters. In other words, we need to be in tune with our commander-in-chief to receive instructions as well as to then walk out those instructions. And that led us to chapter 8 in the book of Matthew, beginning in verse 5. And we'd like to read those verses to you. If you have your Bible, turn with us to Matthew 8, verses 5 to 13. And when he, meaning Jesus, had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, entreating him, and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering great pain. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. And I say to you, that many shall come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom shall be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, let it be done to you as you have believed. And the servant was healed. Junie, this is a remarkable story. We need to remember that our Jewish people didn't go to strangers. Any, They didn't go to anybody but Israelites. And you know that the word of God says, Jesus came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But something was in this centurion 
that allow Jesus to speak to him and start a relationship that we see is important because this is the way that we should be related to Jesus as well. And you know, it's interesting, Shelley, that uh, the centurion was probably a righteous Gentile because when Jesus walked the earth, even as he told Peter, when he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus's response was, flesh and blood did not show that to you, but my father in heaven. So this centurion soldier, being a man under authority, recognizing the state of Rome, he yielded his will to the state of Rome that somehow, because he was a righteous Gentile, because he did what was right in the sight of God as a soldier, even as a Roman, God opened his eyes to see who Jesus was, and he recognized that all Jesus had to do was to say the word, and all the command in heaven was Jesus's, he had authority in that, and and his um, his servant would be healed, and what uh, an increase of faith that would be in our life, That's since right. Jesus said he had not seen such faith in all of Israel, if we really came to the knowledge, the depth of understanding that Jesus really knows and sees everything and cares about everything in our life, every hair on our head, that he's waiting for us. He has done everything he can do. He's waiting for us to give him Amen. our heart and to yield our will to him and to ask the Lord to open up the eyes of our understanding to see with his eyes, to feel with his heart and to do his will here on earth, even as it would be in heaven, Shelley, he taught his disciples to pray. So this is really a powerful parable that, um, that was given by the Lord. You know, Junie, it's important to see, this is an aside, but in Luke, when this uh, situation is described, it says that this man loved Israel, and he was one of the men who helped build a synagogue. So it goes right back to those peop- to the word that says, I will bless them that bless thee. This centurion was blessed because he had a heart toward Israel. But again, it's astounding that Jesus would speak to him in the manner that he did and recognize that he hadn't seen such faith in all of Israel as he saw in this man. And this was not just a soldier. He was a centurion. He ruled over approximately a 100 men. He was a man under authority. He was under a man under the authority of Rome, and that pervaded his whole life. In other words, obedience to this centurion, to the authority of Rome, became a way of life. His whole life was governed by what the Roman emperor said. So in, in other words... It wasn't just like now and then he was subject to that authority, but his life was under the authority of the emperor of Rome. He was a vessel. He became an instrument of the Roman state. Basically, Junie, we could say he was taken possession of by Rome and was completely under the control and the authority and the power which called him into service. And we need to see that picture. He became a possession of the state, 
completely under the authority and the control of the state, as well as under the power of the state, because the state called him into service. Now just stop for a minute and think of the implications that this has for all of us as believers. If this is a man who can give his life over to other human beings, the emperor and all the men over him on authority, how much more should we give our life over to the authority of God? It's remarkable. This is a picture of how we should be living. This is a story of a man under the authority of other men, which is like a picture, a foreshadowing of our lives as believers coming under the authority of the maker himself, the God who created us, the son of God who came to redeem us by his, by shedding his own blood. He who took sin upon him who knew no sin has made us the righteousness of God. And Junie, no matter how we try to avoid it or evade it, obedience is an expression of righteousness to God. And God says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So this, it, it ties in with a life a manner of life rather than receiving instructions only when there's a battle, only when there's a problem, only when we cry out to God. This is a manner of life. And this is why Jesus said, I have not seen such faith in all of Israel. And I pray that we're hearing something through this, through this story of the centurion that will speak to our hearts and take it as the word of God to all of us. I'm speaking to myself, to June, and to all of our listeners. God died that we might have life. And this is part of the life that he's calling us to, that we need to come under the authority that Jesus has, and therefore he will invest that authority in us. Remember, the Roman centurion said, I am a man under authority. But when it comes to obedience and authority, it goes two ways. Number one, personally, we need to obey what our authorities tell us. And secondly, when we speak, we need to be obeyed as long as we are under the authority, under the covering, under the power, and under the control over to whom we have submitted our life. This is a picture of the believer's life. We, I could say this, and I hear, I hope you hear my heart when I say it, we need to be possessed. And whether we like it or not, we're either going to be a possession of the enemy, the liar of all liars, Satan, or we are either going to be a possession of the King of Kings, the Lord of all, Jesus, the Holy One of Israel, the Messiah. And I speak to our Jewish people as well. We need to recognize that Jesus came in the exact time that the prophecy said he would come, how he was born, where he was born, how he would be crucified is all spelled out in our Hebrew scriptures. And we have resisted him for these 2,000 years. And I believe if the Lord is speaking to you today, you need to cry out and say, Lord, my God, my God in heaven, is Jesus your son? And then be willing to bow your knee to him. So again, we need to see what it is to live a believing life. That is to give up our own authority, our own ideas, our own desires, our own aspirations, our own perspectives, and come under the authority of the one who loves you more than anyone else does. He loves Junie, he loves me, and he loves you. And our love is expressed by obeying his commandments. 
We obey his commandments when we recognize his authority. And when we recognize his authority, it doesn't limit the manner of life that we live, but it broadens it because freedom really is being what God calls us to be, not doing what we think we'd like to be or do. So I pray that you're hearing these words. This is liberty personified. Liberty comes when we obey the word of God. We obey the word of God when we recognize Yeshua, the Lord of all, the Holy One of Israel, as our Messiah, as our King, as our Lord, our Master. And we see such a glorious picture, Junie, in the life of this centurion. Now, if it can happen to a Roman citizen, a Roman centurion, should it not happen to us? Are you calling from your heart, Jesus, your Lord? And yes, Shelley, to the called out ones, the Ecclesia, the Church, we speak this message and also to those of Israel who do yes, not Lord. yet believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We speak out this message. You, and to those of you who come from the different nations of the world who haven't yet bowed your knee to Jesus as your personal Messiah, we speak this message and we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, yes, Yeshua. Lord. We pray that every one of our listeners would hear these words, that they would call upon the name of the Lord, even if they've been saved for years, and truly make him Lord of their lives. And for those who don't know you, I pray that they would pick up the Bible, read this portion of scripture and say, Lord, what are you speaking to me? That they too would bow their knee and cry out to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings to possess their lives. We pray these things in Yeshua's holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this evening. If you would like to get in touch with Shelley and June, you can write to them at P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona 85252. That's P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona 85252. And you can also contact them on their website, Shelley and June Volk. Dot com. That's Shelley and Junevolk.com. Until next time, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. This program was sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund. <laughs>